0: Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. I've got the pleasure of being joined by Jan Hagen, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, and his at is at Portu Ball, P-O-R-T-U-Ball, and he is a basically a football analyst or journalist blogger whatever you want to call him who specializes in the portuguese league and he's also from norway so jan i hope i've pronounced your name correctly and why don't you introduce yourself
1: yeah that was 100 correctly <laughs> i don't know if i'm an analyst but i like to think of myself as a freelance writer who basically does this um while studying just to not only to earn money but uh, I don't know to help people they have there are lots of people who have lots of questions about Portuguese football and since I have followed the league and the national team for such a long time it's yeah it's nice to help out when people have questions
0: <laughs> so what struck up your your love and your interest for Portuguese football
1: well it first started with the 2004 euros in in Portugal mm. of course um I hadn't really watched a lot of football before that. I was only nine years old, so I was quite young. But I really started to watch football at that time, at that championship. And as Norway didn't qualify yet again, (laughs) I had to find myself another team to yeah, cheer on our support. And it eventually became Portugal. They have this amazing team, Costa, Teku. Also an emerging Cristiano Ronaldo. So it was quite an exciting team. And um yeah, they just caught my attention and I be- became really fond of them throughout the tournament. And was heartbroken when I saw the they lose the final uh, to Greece. Norway, as I said, never qualifies for any major tournament. Not the Euros, <laughs> not the World Cup. So Portugal has... They became my theme, like uh, I support them during those tournaments. And um, eventually the there was a channel in Norway who actually started to broadcast the Portuguese league. And uh, as you might uh, imagine that, uh, I found that really interesting. I checked it out and yeah, it was something completely different from... What I, what I was used to watching, which was primarily uh, the Norwegian top flight and the Premier League, of course. So they broadcasted that for a few years, and yeah, it really caught my attention. Uh, I started to write about it. I always love to write, and uh, it was about that time I really started to uh, take up Twitter as well. Uh, I first uh, tried to do this. Uh, uh, what I do on Twitter is like uh, updating news, uh, bringing stats, uh, uh, yeah, and my opinions, of course, and answering questions. But I tried to do this in Norwegian, uh, but the audience was so small. I had like two hundred <laughs> followers. Nothing wrong with that, of <laughs> course. But I thought uh, there must be a bigger audience if I if I try this in English and. So I did, Um yeah, the whole thing just exploded.
0: Yeah, man, your, your account is awesome. I mean, I've not seen that many football Twitter accounts that go into as much depth and give as good insight as yourself. So props to you for doing that. But, but alongside that, you're also from Norway, and uh, Football Index, the platform, has ventured into Sweden recently so we had a bit of a chat about Football Index and you hadn't really heard about it but I was wondering if you could give us a bit of a an insight into Norwegian and Scandinavian culture when it comes to football, gambling, fancy football and all these things mixed into one.
1: Yeah there's a when it comes to football uh, there is quite an anglophile or there is a mass amount of people in Norway that are anglophile they love England and they love the Premier League. The elderly generation or generations, they grew up uh, without the freedom we have today. Like we can watch whatever we like whenever we want. And but they couldn't. Uh, so they had like this one game a, a week, which they called Tip which was uh, a game from the English Top Flight. And this was like this was their childhood uh, they grew up watching one game a week, and naturally, there was a huge amount of people that became fans of English teams and uh, English football, and that really, uh, that really dominates the culture in um, in Norway at least today.
0: Mm, and there's also like quite a big fancy football community, isn't there? I know I've certainly seen quite a few of the top guys in like the top thousand leaderboards and on, on the. Uh, fancy Premier League leaderboards from Scandinavian con- countries. So, why the obsession there?
1: Well, I, I'm not quite sure, but as you say, fancy football in in Norway is it's massive. It's it's I I can't be I can barely explain how, how massive it is because <laughs> uh, like the EPL or uh, the Premier League fantasy, it has hundred Norwegian hundred thousand Norwegian players. Wow, and like four or five podcast solely dedicated to this topic and i don't <laughs> know incredible. if your listeners are, are aware but Nor norway is a small small country not on paper or like on the map but in population we are merely five million people and having this many people playing the game and having five six podcasts like only dedicated to fancy Premier league it's uh it's quite uh yeah it's uh, it's so big so it's also a good environment for the fancy in the Norwegian top of the Norwegian top flight as well. I think there are about hundred thousand playing that as well. So
0: that's quite incredible, isn't it? If you if you think about five million people are in Norway, that's less than in London, yeah. <laughs> but also that means that about two percent of the population are involved in fantasy football so so can you talk to us a bit about maybe sports betting is that popular in scandinavia and in in norway in particular it
1: is it is um but the government are not too pleased with it or they are (laughs) pleased with it but they want uh, you to play at their own betting company because they are owning this uh, moshk tipping which is uh, the governmental owned betting company Um so they are more increasingly trying to implement laws that make it more and more difficult to bet and deposit money into foreign betting companies. So it's, it's a, it's a lot of people betting, but it's not easy to be a professional gambler in Norway if you're only allowed to play at one or two betting companies.
0: I've had a few people DM me and, and email me and ask me when Football Index is opening up in, in Norway. So it remains to be seen how easy it would be for them to to actually gain a license out there because they are technically a gambling uh, company or entity, but they're more kind of veered towards this weird investment kind of trading and fancy football side of things as well so it's it's quite interesting to see what happens there but i think we should crack on with the questions otherwise we'll be talking about norway and and fancy football all day (laughs) long so that the first question comes from at football index kp and he asks if gelson martins the sporting lisbon player of course can reach the top level for a big european club
1: I would like to answer yes um, and especially if you base that on his um, Champions League performances last season he gave Real Madrid this great problems at the Santiago Bernabeu he was absolutely wild he tormented the, their defense and he was uh, he was great and this year he has been uh, picking up great uh, performances uh, against Barcelona, against uh, Juventus. So, he's just based on that alone. He tells me that this is a player who ca- who could reach the very top of the game. But I don't know. Um, I was more certain because I've had this question like 100 times, and I, when I answered this a year ago, I was like. I believe Gilles Martins could move now and make a real impact at almost any club in in Europe but right now um after this season I'm I'm a bit more uncertain because he has been been a bit more not so uh, consistent but still there is something there that just uh, makes you fall in love with the player he's so uh, he's so quick, he has this great technique and although he needs to work on his um, decision making um, uh, I think there really is a special player there but if he's ready to make a leap now I'm not quite certain but uh, maybe a um, step to a mid not a mid mid table club side but maybe someone who is fighting for a Europa League in the Premier League or Champions League and the other 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 four big leagues uh, but I don't think he's like right now he wouldn't go straight into the lineup of the likes of uh, Barcelona or Bayern or anything like that.
0: Yeah I, I was gonna say on that point that maybe whilst he's not ready for a Real Madrid, a, a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich there are those clubs of the caliber of Arsenal, that the club that I support, the likes of Liverpool, uh, Manchester United even with their strong Portuguese connection with uh, Jose Mourinho, of course, and then some Italian clubs as well. I'm sure there are so many European clubs looking at him. But also, I mean, the the Real Madrid game that you mentioned is the first time I kind of stepped up and noticed him properly. I'd seen him play before, but at that moment I said, wow, this guy's going to be a star because you're right, he absolutely tormented that defence and he gave Marcelo nightmares. And we know Marcelo is not the wor- the the best defender, sorry, but he also made it nearly impossible for Marcelo to get forward in that game because he was just so adamant and picking up that ball from deep positions and just absolutely, you know, shredding down that right wing and getting as much chalk on his boots as as he could. And they almost came away with a win uh, in that game. But so so what what clubs have been monitoring him? And does he have like a buyout clause? He renewed his
1: deal this winter, I think, and um, which saw his release clause increase to one hundred million Euros. So depending on the situation that is currently going on at Sporting, I think it will be difficult for any club to buy him.
0: And you just mentioned this this situation at, at Sporting and that leads on to our second question, which is from at Footy Index LDN, who's who's been on the podcast a couple of times. Footy Index London and he asked after the Sporting Lisbon fiasco who's leaving and where do you see them ending up why don't you walk us through the situation at Sporting and what's going to kind of happen to them and then maybe we can talk about a few players that could leave as a result of this
1: <laughs> start, if, you, if you're if you going to start with this topic we might need the whole night <laughs> but uh, we can try to keep it short um, well what has happened is it's like Footy Index London writes it's a fiasco it's a it's, uh, it's chaos, it's havoc, it's uh, name it whatever you like, but it's, it's absolutely horrible. Uh, first of all, uh, there has been the, this toxic environment of Sporting for a while. Uh, if we go back one month um, after Sporting faced Atletico in Madrid uh, in the Europa League, um, Sporting played quite a decent game. But after the, after the game, uh, sporting president Bruno de Carvalho went to his personal Facebook page and said, this was not good enough. This is not what I expected from the players. And given that sporting lost 1-0 away to Atletico Madrid, afar, a far, not of or, or a quite better side, it is quite the statement to say that the players hadn't lived up to his expectations. So naturally, the players would have none of that. And, all of the squad went publicly, publicly on their Instagrams, their Twitters, their Facebook, and said, we do our best every day and we will not tolerate this kind of um, statements from our own president, who is supposed to be on our side. And after that, the president went really mad and he said, <laughs> okay, are you going to speak out to me like that? Then you're all suspended. So he decided to suspend his whole squad of 28 footballers. Uh, But luckily, they reached an agreement before the next uh, Liga match. And yeah, so they went on, won the game, and everything was not back to normal. But yeah, it was like... uh, Some sort of movie, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. It's like a film. Yeah, and this was the start of this toxic and bad environment. So going forward three weeks... Sporting in their final game, they had no chance to win the league, but at least they were in pole position to reach the Champions League. They lost their final game, which meant Benfica went past them and uh, snatched that final Champions League spot. And which the fans obviously didn't like at all. So the traveling fans uh, as Sporting played away uh, against Maritimo at Madeira, It's, it's like a three hours flight so it wasn't that many fans who had traveled but they were obviously disappointed and some of them started to assault the players um, both verbally and um, not non-verbally at the time. <laughs> but and uh, later it has come out that the former leader of one of the ultras group said we will come and speak with you because uh, some of the players Acuna and Bataglia had said to the had spoken back and like been rude uh, to the poor poor leaders of the ultra groups. so just a f- couple of days later 50 masked fans stormed sporting's training complex attacking and verbally abusing the players and the staff and this was this was four days before sporting were going to play their most important game of the season, which was the Portuguese Cup Final against Aves, which they, which they eventually lost. Um, and the, the players were attacked. And uh, I've and some of you, I might have seen the images of Bas Dost, who, who really hurt his head. He was beaten by sticks, he was beaten by belts, fists. And they are, had thrown... Uh, manager Jorge Jesus to the ground. They had, um, they had obviously picked out some players they wanted to um, talk to, or yeah, not really talk to, but and that was Rui Patrício, the legend, the goalkeeping legend, was been there for twelve seasons. He is very clo- Who is very close to uh, getting their all-time games record of more than four hundred games. They attacked him, they attacked the other captain, which is William Carvalho, and they attacked Bataglia and Acuna because they had spoken out against them Um, during that away match they lost, uh, which I just spoke about. After that, it all went downhill. Uh, It has been a horrible last week for the whole club. First losing out on the Champions League, then being attacked, then losing the cup final to a minor, minor side of... Like it's from a village of 10,000 people who managed to beat this Portuguese giant. So uh, it has been a very disappointing week and there are talks of the players wanting to terminate their contracts with the club. I I don't know if they could actually do that, but um, at least um, it's it's just a toxic environment in the whole club and there is... Uh, well every, everyone assumes that the president has to has go but he has repeatedly said that uh, I'm not going anywhere so that's yeah it's just a stalemate at the moment uh, players don't know what will happen and the fans don't know what will happen and I don't don't even know I don't even think the club know what will happen
0: What an absolutely incredibly terrible turn of events that you've just described there, but uh, I'd love to dissect this more but I, I do want to ask you you mentioned a few players there some that have been at Sporting for for a long time such as Rui Patricio and uh, William Carvalho how likely is it that some of these players leave I mean I, I I seem to have picked out maybe 10 players here from the Sporting Squad that have been linked away from the club how likely is it that a mass exile from Sporting Lisbon this summer?
1: Well, that will depend on if they, the players could terminate their contracts or not. Because I still believe that um, the club want to hold on to the players. And, well, it's well in their right to do so if the players are not allowed to terminate their contracts. But at least Rui Patricio will be leaving. I don't think there is no doubt about that. Uh, he was... He was all but leaving before that incident. And I don't think he being attacked uh, by his own fans has changed his mind <laughs> one bit. Uh, William Carvalho was also all but certainly going out, uh, mainly because the president after the Atletico loss went out and said, there are some people or players in this world that has asked to leave for several, several years. And if you look at sporting squad, it's not that easy Uh, It's not that difficult to see who has been there for several years because it's basically just Rui Patricio, William Carvalho and Jelson Martin. So um, Mm. so, um, the police uh, or the statement that the players gave to the police post-attack has been released um, by the Portuguese press and um, the fans or the hooligans had said to Rui Patricio, take off your shirt, you're not worthy, we don't want you here and also... They said this to William Carvalho as well, and in the same statement, another player, uh, Ristowski, a fullback, he has not played that much, but uh, he said he 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 would have difficulties playing for Sporting again because he has he is like afraid of being attacked both when he is at the club's premises but also at his own home. So, and also Bruno Fernandes, it was leaked a video from the locker room just after the attacks had happened and he, you can clearly hear him say it's been a pleasure being with you all so it might suggest that um, he's also wanting to leave and you you can't really blame him
0: mm. And You mentioned a couple other players Acuna and Bataglia and I've got Pitini here written down as well do you want to talk about those slightly lesser known sporting players and whether or not they could leave as well?
1: Well, um, there has been plenty of rumors with all of those. And not so much about Acuna, perhaps, but Bataglia has been linked with some mid lower, uh, mid table teams in uh, in La Liga, in the Bundesliga, in the Premier League. Especially West Brom, but they have gone down, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, uh, Pichini, as you mentioned, has been linked with Juventus and Atletico Madrid, and he's had quite a good season. And with Sporting, only. Uh, according to the press, only asking 20 million euros, I can, I can see him going if anyone uh, are willing to pay that, and I think they should. Um, for Acuna, as I said, um, not that much rumors. He has, he's just arrived from Argentina or uh, last summer, and he hasn't really been that, that good. He has been decent. He has been a good player who was who could who have been used both as a winger and as a fullback at times. But I don't think he's ready for a move to a bigger club at the moment.
0: Very interesting few things that you said about those players there, especially especially Bicini, who seems to have been linked to to quite a few clubs, as you mentioned. But another player that you mentioned a few minutes earlier was Bastos, who obviously got brutally and horrifically attacked by his own fans. And he's got a pretty phenomenal scoring record out in Portugal, especially this season. Do you think he's going to stick around?
1: Well, uh, that's an excellent question and a difficult one to answer. But uh, Bastos is a lovely guy. Um, I think he cares for the club. He cares for the fans, uh, except for those attacking him, of course. And I don't think he has the heart to... Mm. move on with determination deal or case Um, and I'm not sure anyone is willing to pay what Sporting might uh, want for the Dutch striker. He has an amazing scoring record as you said but he is he is limited Mm. let's be honest he is limited Uh, and if you're not going to use a target man um
0: you have no use of that, so yeah, that's that's fair enough. And I, you know, he has struggled in 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 previous seasons at other clubs, and of course, I think he's. You're right. He's kind of found his level, hasn't he? In the in the Portuguese league, in the Europa League, this is kind of his level of football. I don't think he'd do particularly well in like a maybe top seven side in in the Premier League. And, and you're right. If you don't use a target man, it's gonna be difficult to convince your board to, to fish out a big sum of money for a player from the Portuguese League and as we know um, negotiators from Portugal are, are often very very difficult to deal with they usually go for their buyout clauses if not something quite close to them but the next question We definitely shouldn't move on because we've been on Sporting Lisbon for a while and I feel quite down (laughs) speaking about them because it's such a terrible situation. And the next question comes from uh, Football Index SP, so FI Squad Picks, and he asked, will Zipkovic leave this summer? And if so, where is he likely to move to the the talented young Serbian player that plays for Benfica he's been linked to, to a plethora of clubs Arsenal Liverpool uh, Manchester United especially in the Premier League and uh, he's also probably going to, to the World Cup with Serbia this season so tell us a bit about him Jan and, and whether or not he can move this summer
1: well uh, unless uh, he has an, a magnificent World Cup campaign there is very little chance of him leaving Um I'm not saying this because he's a bad player, because he's a great player. And I think, like Gelson, this man could reach the very top of the game. But there has been this strange case of uh, at Benfica where he has not played very much and not very regularly. It's just for the past four or five months in the injury absence of Filip Krovinovic in Benfica's midfield that he has like played regularly during his whole Benfica career and as i said that is quite strange because whenever he has played uh, mostly as a winger before before this season he has been quite good he has racked up assists uh, here he was uh, uh, during last season cup campaign i think he has had like six assists in seven games and he was just yeah he was just really good whenever given the chance but he wasn't uh, really given a string of games. And um, so it's it's hard for me to see how anyone, any club would splash out on a player who has played regular football for four months solely in the last two months. And But uh, with that said, in his new role as a midfield man, uh, which was quite surprising to see him there, but... He's adapted really well in this um, uh, advanced midfield role in Benfica's midfield trio, um, and he has really he has really been good. So I understand the links to foreign clubs, but unless anyone would splash twenty five million euros or thirty million euros at the moment, and I don't think there is, I think he's staying for at least um, at least until January.
0: Mm. i think it probably makes sense for his development to do so to actually play a whole season at benfica and and play regularly in the starting lineup and he does have quite a big buyout clause if i'm not mistaken and you can correct me if i'm wrong it's about 60 million euros isn't it
1: that is correct
0: <laughs> yeah well oh, thank god i got my facts right there but that's <laughs> that's a, a lot of money and uh I, i'm not sure a club like arsenal that the club that i support would be splashing out that much money on a youngster uh, liverpool maybe united i've uh, got plenty of money but uh, i mean it, it you know, it might be one of those where he has an absolutely fantastic World Cup, as you say, and we see clubs kind of change their mind. But then, at the same time, Benfica will then say, pay us the money, all of it, <laughs> not 25, 30 million euros, pay us the 60 million euros. You've seen how good this guy is. Why not invest in a, in a player of the future?
1: Yeah, like the 25 or 30 million euros if are right now. So if he performs well at the World Cup, Benfica will double that price. So, yeah. Um, it will not be it will not be cheap doing business with Benfica if <laughs> Sikovic is going to the World Cup and uh, doing well.
0: It certainly never seems to be cheap doing business with Benfica in particular, but also in general, like a lot of the Portuguese pl- clubs. But the, the next question comes from uh, at Beninho. Uh, that's Ben. Uh, he's been a football index trader for, for quite a long time. I think he was one of the first ever guys to, to get onto the platform. And he asks if Alex Tejas is good enough to move to a Champions League club abroad, away from Portugal.
1: The short answer is yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 great. He's outstanding. Um he's not like a Alexandro type, but since they're both left backs, it's it's easy to compare them and the seasons Alexandru had at had at Porto was was great. Uh he was superb and that's why why he got the move to Juventus in the end. Um Alex Tails has been Last season, in his first season, he was almost as good as Alexandro at his best. But this season, I think he has surpo- uh, surpassed uh, what Alexandro did wow. on his best in Porto. So he's the the assist king of the Prime Primera Liga, with I think it is thirteen assists in thirty games. I think that's quite good, um, and he's been like there main weapon on set pieces, uh, especially corners, where Porto have been really dangerous this season. Um, But he's perhaps even more, even more solid defensively than Alexandru, not as fast, but uh, still so consistently turning in outstanding performances almost every week. So it's easy to say, see why um, bigger clubs are looking at him. And I, if I'm not mistaken again, (laughs) um, his agent said last summer that I can see uh, Alex playing for Chelsea. Uh, Maybe not this season, but next season. So if Chelsea are still interested, they might have a chance with Alex
0: Mm. And And it certainly seems like left-backs are going to be hot property on the market this summer. I mean, last summer we saw that kind of roundabout of strikers, Maratta, Lukaku, Lacazette, just kind of all flying around. And this season, it seems it might be concentrated in the central midfield areas, the left-back area, the right-back, centre-back. I mean, Manchester United are looking for a left-back. Manchester City are potentially looking for a left-back. Chelsea, as you just mentioned, probably looking for a left-back. Arsenal have uh, both Nacho Manuel and Saad Kolasinac, but Monreal is 33 next season, I believe. So uh, there's been a lot of rumours that Arsenal will look in that department as well. Tottenham as well, uh, they've only got Ben Davis. Danny Rose looks like he probably could be on his way. Uh, Manchester United consistently linked there, but he, he could probably go anywhere as well. And then, you know, Barcelona continuously linked to David Alaba. Bayern Munich might be needing another left back. So there's so many clubs this summer that need a left back. So it might make sense that someone coughs up money for Alex Teles, and especially Jan, if he's as good as you say he's been, better than Alexandro, and Alexandro's prime at Porto. So do you think he could adapt as well as Alexandro has to Europe's top five leagues?
1: Um, well, that's a, again a good question. Um, I think it could. Um, he's come all the way from Brazil, like Alexandro. Um, he's played for Galatasaray, he's played for Porto, one of the most demanding clubs in these respective countries. Uh, so I believe he has give him some time, give him some love, and I think uh, Aljustrelle is good to go. He could perform perform for almost any club in uh, in Europe. Um, and he also just just or just uh, he has a 40 million release clause. So Porto doesn't have that much negotiation space as they um, probably would have liked.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's certainly an interesting one, isn't it? Because with Portuguese clubs, you do have that buyout clause. So if a club does come along and kind of gives you a gargantuan amount of money, the club often doesn't turn it down. And it's interesting with Alex Telles. And as you mentioned earlier, he's, he's kind of the assist king. Another player that a lot of people ask me about after Uh, Or just before recording was Musa Marega, which is someone that uh, Alex Telles gave a lot of his assists to, and he's been linked to a few Premier League clubs as well. Sorry, just to to sidetrack off Alex Telles, but could you tell us a bit about him as well?
1: Yeah, yes, of course. Uh, Musa Marega is um, it's quite an interesting story. If you allow me, (laughs) I could uh, go on. Just. elaborate a bit. Um, he came to Porto in January 2016 from Maritimo, which um, is it's, it's this club on Madeira. Um, he did really well there, but after six months, uh, Porto came calling and he responded yes, of course. Um, and he arrived at Porto in January 2016, but he was instantly not a hit <laughs> um, and he was actually mocked uh, a whole lot, not just by other fan groups but also from Porto fans and he was became this um, yeah, this uh, scapegoat so um, he was shipped out on loan last season uh, and he did really well at uh, Vitória Guimaraes um, and he also then was linked with moves abroad but this season under the guidance of Sergio Cusazau, which um, who uh, managed to guide Porto to their first Liga title in five years. Musa um, Marega has really continued the fine form he showed at uh, Vitória Guimaraes last season and has really stood out to be Porto's most consistent attacking performer. So uh, he's quite explosive. Um, he got great pace. He's strong as a bull. It's impossible to stop him when he first gets the ball and runs down the middle or the right or the left because he's so versatile. He can play through the middle as a striker, maybe as a number 10 even. He did so a bit with Oregümeres and he can play at the wing. So very versatile, uh, explosive, decent finisher, but playing for a major European top club, I don't think that is for Musa Marega. I think he has... He has the ability to play for a uh, top ten club in the Premier League. Perhaps uh, I could see him do well at Everton, Leicester, but but not the not the Manchester City or anything like that. Not like uh, I don't even think Arsenal or Spurs are his level uh, really. But he has yes um, really turned his. Um, look around and from being like someone the Porto fans mocked and so as a liability has been their most consistent performance this season and it's just been a brilliant brilliant story
0: yeah well fair play to him so those of you who asked about Musa Moriga I managed to sneak that in and I'm going to sneak this one in as well I'm going to ask about Yassine Brahimi and uh, sorry to put you on the spot again Johan and ask about another person <laughs> I, I haven't written down here in the notes but can you tell us about his situation it seemed like last summer at or even the summer before, that the, he was quite coveted, especially uh, from a variety of Premier League clubs. I know Arsenal and Everton were linked, but also lots of teams in Italy and, and, and some in Spain were, were very closely linked to him. So what's happened to him and could he move this summer?
1: He could, absolutely. But um, as recently reported by Ujogo, the Porto-based newspaper, sports newspaper, they say that Porto would want 30 million euros for Brahimi because... Porto only own fifty percent of his economic rights, so they need uh, big money to let him go, or unless there is no point in no point in selling him. Um, Brahimi had a stellar first season at Porto. He was uh, outstanding. He was like the best player in the league uh, in his first year, but eventually, thing went a bit down for him. He didn't perform as well in the in the um, Next seasons so, Um but again under under the guidance of Sergio Conceicao he has really picked himself up and yeah alongside Marega been the big attacking contributions to Porto winning the league. Uh, I'm not sure. I would recommend um, anyone spending 30 million euros on <laughs> but you know the infl- inflation of this market uh, make it. Uh, more eatable than previously because uh in this market this crazy crazy market 30 million is maybe not that much to the major sides
0: Mm. i mean he he certainly has the talent he was linked to mostly spanish clubs last summer i know the summer before it was a lot of english clubs i i think he's he's one of those players that has if I'm right in saying, a lot of people have reported maybe attitude problems, um, maybe someone who's kind of hard to to deal with as a coach. So maybe that's what's kind of put teams off buying him today, If I'm not mistaken, Jan.
1: No, uh, I can't say I've heard much about it, but uh, you can see his attitude on the pitch, and um, especially when things are not going his way, you can, yeah, you can tell a bit uh, or. Yeah, you can tell a bit of like what he is like a person. But uh, I think, um, as you said, Everton has been linked a lot and they still are. So if they manage to, to get their hands on him, um, it could be a successful deal.
0: Yeah, definitely. Maybe a gamble worth taking for for a Premier League club that has 30 million euros to spare. But we'll we'll move on to the next question. I think this is one that you're going to love sinking your teeth into, Jan. And (laughs) this one could be a podcast in itself. And it's asked by Mr. ASP at SP Football Index, obviously the 300,000 portfolio man or whatever he's sitting on at the moment. And he asks, oh, it's more of a statement. He says, Portuguese teams don't seem to be as competitive in Europe as in recent years. What's the story behind that? And will it change anytime soon?
1: Yeah, another excellent question. <laughs> uh, there are so many reasons to this. Uh, the competitiveness of the Portuguese league and the Portuguese clubs, and it's I think it's all down to economy. Uh, it really is. Uh, the talent is there. The managers are there. Both, as they prove that the Euros are of the finest, finest level. But the economy doesn't allow the clubs to keep the players. Their key players for more than a couple of seasons before losing them, and yeah, Uh, and all of this comes down to the amount of debt. At least that for Benfica, Sporting, and Porto, they have an enormous uh, amount of debt. Benfica has the second highest, um, the second highest liabilities in the whole of Europe, only beaten by Man United, but. Manchester United operate on a whole other scale when it comes to income and revenues than Benfica does so it's quite a challenging um, time for Portuguese clubs and it's been for some while because every summer they need to sell players to keep uh, their books in in balance and in a posi- with positive signs because they don't have the revenue to cover their expenses so yeah and also when selling players it doesn't really have when uh when you have third-party ownership um claiming lots of a lot of the transfer fee and also uh when you when we look at the development of uh revenues from television or television rights um, the other top five european leagues has um, increase their amount significantly while the Portuguese league is still at a very, very low, low um, income level compared to those.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right in terms of the, the monetary side of things. I always found it strange that a lot of Portuguese teams get big money for their players and i always think why aren't they reinvesting it properly they seem to go for the cheaper options and and taking advantage of the kind of easy immigration laws that that allow south american players to to come into portugal but then you do talk about that third party ownership and do you want to speak a bit more about that and why it's such a a big thing in portuguese football why is it that we only see it in portugal really and not in not that many other countries
1: well, first of all, because it is banned, uh, <laughs> FIFA has, or FIFA has banned it in, in, in Europe. Um, and uh, there are not uh, really much of it anymore, but many of those who are sold, um, like recently, has been at the club at a time when they have uh, exploited the third-party ownership. And it has been quite important for the Portuguese club because... They haven't always always had the funds to um, invest uh, or uh, like uh, buy the uh, buy the players they wanted. So they have had to ask the likes of George Mendes to please help them uh, to buy the players they want. And of course, he would take his stake doing so. And on the one side, is it has really helped them getting players they wanted, but when the players are sold, they are really paying the price for it.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's such a strange... I, I've always found it strange, the, the, the third party ownership thing. I, I just think it makes things a lot more complex. Obviously, money talks, doesn't it, in the end, and, and that's unfortunately what what happens with a lot of football. I mean, we talk about uh, over in the UK, it's, it's more of a problem in terms of TV rights and how they kept increasing in price. Uh, and I think only in the last renewal that, that the TV companies had with the Premier League, it was the first time that it kind of stayed or plateaued in terms of price. Before that, it was just exponentially rising. And, and you would think that this would have a terrible effect on on people that want to watch football and at the same time you had ticket prices so people that wanted to physically go and watch the games increasing so that's the side of the maybe the the more westernized model of football which is kind of leaves a more sour taste in in my mouth personally but then you look at brazilian and south american football and portuguese football you've got this weird third party ownership thing i know when you know when neymar moved to to Barcelona, you had all those rumours about his dad obviously owning a, a portion of Neymar, but then wanting like orgies <laughs> arranged for him so that he could move to Barcelona. All these strange things that just don't really have a place in football, do they? But hopefully, Portuguese footballs, hopefully, Fortu- <laughs> <hell>. <laughs> hopefully, Portuguese football in the in the next few years, maybe with talented man- managers such as Consenso uh, can kind of bring themselves to the fore again particularly in Europe but we must move on and, and this is back to a couple of uh, lesser known players that, that you can give us your opinions on and these are Zadas and Acuna and uh, Pierre underline fi index ask whether or not these two guys could make a big move this summer and you already mentioned that you think Acuna will probably stay so maybe give us a bit of more of a low down on on Zadas what kind of player he is and, and where he could go.
1: Yeah, Bruno Schaders, uh, really interesting player. Um, he's only been with the um, Braga first team for like a year now. I think he was integrated into the first team squad at the end of last season. Um, and he really made uh, quite the impact uh, in the start of this current season. Or, yeah. um, he started a few games and he did really well. He even scored some incredible goals Um um, and uh, it was kind of a, a vital part of Braga's first Team eleven, uh, But uh, it was maybe not that strange because Braga played two times a week in the first half of the season, uh, competing in the Primeira Liga, the Europa League, the Taça de Portugal and Taça de Liga. But um, in the second half of the season, uh, Braga manager Abel Ferreira has on or... Have only focused on the Primeira Liga because that was the only thing remaining for Braga to fight for. So he has uh, kind of focused on using his preferred eleven, and Bruno Chaves has not been part of that uh, lineup or preferred lineup that he has used mostly. Uh, so he has only played as a sub uh, substitute most of the second half of the season, but still a very interesting player he showed uh, during the first half of the campaign that he has. Lots of talents, he has a magnificent right foot. Uh, he's quite versatile, Versatile, so he can play in a central position or an advanced midfield position. So, a uh, very interesting player. And uh, I hope to see him remaining at, um, at Braga. I know there are rumours of Monaco. Monaco wanting to sign him, but um, at the moment, for his own development... Uh, staying at Braga uh, would be for the best for perhaps everyone, and I think um, Jorge Mendes, who is ov- obviously involved in this as well, um, uh, I think they are they are asking something like 20 or 25 million to let him go. So it's quite a it's quite a price for such a young
0: young guy. Yeah, very interesting and certainly one that's been linked with a a plethora of European clubs like Monaco, as you say, so we'll kind of have to sit on our hands and wait and see what happens with that. But when Jorge Mendes is involved, I mean, last summer I kind of wrapped together a list of his uh, clients and a lot of them ended up moving. So you never know with that guy. Maybe when he wants to pocket a bit more money, he uh, he kind of nudges his players to move. Quite like Mino Raiola. Yeah, you know,
1: you know, uh, Jorge Mendes, he needs to go on vacation <laughs> he needs the money every Sunday.
0: Well, I mean, doesn't, didn't, didn't it, Ronaldo it, yeah. buy him an island or something? Can't he just go to <laughs> go there? Yeah, that's, that...
1: That was his wedding <laughs> gift a couple of years ago when he got married. So it's it's good being, a, it's, it's good being friends with the, with the top footballers. Oh,
0: man, an island. I mean, I'm sure that's where he's probably going uh, on vacation. So, so the next question, and this one's actually from me, and I asked, what players outside the traditional big three, Benfica, Porto and Sporting, could make a big move abroad into the top five leagues?
1: Yeah, that's another... Excellent question, and um, for this one I want to bring up at least Shoya Nagajima, uh, a Japanese player who was uh, really uh, taking the league by storm after moving to Portemuninj uh, last summer. Yeah, he was the only player to record double digits goals and assist in the Premier League uh, this season, which is quite the achievement for a player in his first year in a foreign league in a in another continent, and also because he don't play for one of the ostras Grandes, so uh, it was an amazing achievement. He has some lovely dribbling skills, and uh, he has great vision. He can pick out a cross or a pass at any time, at any place, and he can also scores uh, score. <laughs> sorry, uh, and he has done so repeatedly with some nice finishes, uh, both chips and curled finishes. So. Uh, yeah, he's been uh, quite the um, attraction this season. And I can't see him staying on at uh, Porto Munez for another season. Um, they just uh, both... Um, he was just on loan, but they activated his um, option to buy, naturally. Uh, and there have been rumors of uh, German clubs, uh, Spanish clubs, Porto, Benfica. And with his 10 million release clause, I'm not sure Porto Monange will ask for the whole of it uh, but i cannot see shoya nakajima staying another year in on the algarve coast
0: well guys definitely type in uh can you can you say the name one more time jan
1: shoya nakajima
0: definitely type in shoya nakajima highlights on youtube or go through jan's uh, twitter he's got a few threads about him this guy is like I know. Did you? Would you compare him to like a weird Japanese Messi? But uh,
1: he's, he's def- <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't throw that, that compliment. <laughs> uh, I don't find it easy to say. But uh, there is something about uh, Shoya that really reminds you about Messi.
0: Yeah, certainly go have a look. I'm not sure if he's trading on Football Index, uh, but maybe one that if he does IPO or get promoted uh, by Football Index, then maybe someone that you you could look at. Is he probably going to go to the World Cup with Japan?
1: No, he was actually left out of oh, wow. the World Cup. So that that is absolutely unbelievable. I wow. cannot understand why uh, he was. He got his first Japanese app this spring, um, so he hasn't been uh, a regular with them, but. He even scored on his debut. So I, I have no idea how he, he's not in that squad. He could have been like the big uh, breakout star in that uh, in on the in the World Cup.
0: Oh man, that's a shame. Well, maybe if there's an injury going uh, in the Japanese squad, we might see more of him. Yeah. But the I, next, I
1: don't, I don't like to hope for him injuries, but yeah, in this one perhaps.
0: Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed that no one gets injured. But kind of like. Maybe behind my back because I might want to see him <laughs> at the World Cup. But yeah. the, the next question comes from Football Index RC slash Vaney Index, whatever you want to know him by now at this point. And so, you know, a lot of people are talking about Andilin- Anderson Talishka at the moment. And he looks like he's going to leave Besiktas and he's going to go back to Benfica, but then he's going to move to England, it seems. And perhaps with, as we saw in the news today, Fred, Maybe agreeing a deal to Manchester United. Where does that leave Anderson Talisca? Is that more someone that Liverpool have got uh, an eye on?
1: Well, I can only speak for his year and um, it at Benfica, um, and during that year and based on that year, I cannot believe how this guy has been linked with <laughs> to Manchester United and Liverpool. Um, uh, he got. No tactical uh, ability or understanding of the game. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he's, he, he was just... I don't know if he's mentally okay. Uh, he, it, it was just this whole crazy mess between him him and Benfica when he left for on loan at Besiktas, where he has stayed for two years. But yeah, he, he just didn't fit in. And uh, uh, as I said... Uh, I've never seen someone being that misplaced uh, so many times at a top club like a Panfica. And the weird thing was that he actually managed to score quite a lot, but uh, eventually he was dropped to the bench and then sent out alone. But uh, uh, as I said, how on earth is this guy being linked with top, top uh, clubs? I have no idea.
0: But, well, I, I might try and give you a reason
1: yeah yeah of course i, I i've i've seen his numbers yeah yeah <laughs> i've seen the numbers i've seen him play against benfica and porto in the champions league he has uh definitely um, improved and he has improved a lot and um as i said uh, my uh, statement was based on his year at benfica, yeah of course so, of course um but um yeah if benfica could get a huge payday out of anderson and dalesca that would be much much more than what they asked for when they shipped him out on loan for two years, two years ago so uh i've heard 40 million euros i've heard 45 million euros is that is crazy numbers for a club like benfica and they would absolutely cash in on that every every single day of the week <laughs>
0: I think those are kind of the the numbers that have been thrown around in the in the British press as well, and uh, I mean it's certainly it's it's a loss for Besiktas because they have obviously the option to buy maybe for twenty million euros, but I, I don't think it looks like Talishka wants to stay there, and it looks like he's got his heart set on uh, on England, and it's weird because he's he's not quite a central midfielder, is he? He's more of like a a roaming attacking midfielder, and and I'm not I'm not sure where he fits in at Manchester United for example where they they tend to play more of a 4-3-3 uh, and even at Liverpool the same you, you they play Salah, Mane and Firmino up top and they play the three central midfielders so maybe at Liverpool he could potentially play out wide for them when one of those guys isn't playing at United, I don't really see it, especially if they're bringing in Fred. There's uh, rumours of other central midfielders. It seems strange that Taliska is the, the, the missing link, and United <laughs> certainly needs creativity. I just don't know if he's the answer, but no, certainly... it <laughs> Well, Jan says he's not, but it certainly looks like he's going to England according to the British press, according to him, according to the Besiktas president, according to his agent as well. So really interested to see where he ends up. Uh,
1: it is re- The links to United is it is so obvious because when he or like three months after he had gone to Benfica and he had scored a couple of goals, Mourinho went to the press and said... I wanted this guy, he was like, uh, because of the sh- uh, strict laws in England, I couldn't bring him to Chelsea, so he like wanted to take credit for the whole Talishka thing, and obviously he got into a feud with uh, uh, Benfica manager at the time, uh, but it's so obvious that the press is always going to bring up Manchester United when Tališka. Uh, or every summer like Talishka to Manchester United you can almost put your life on that uh, the press would bring that up every summer just because uh, just because of Mourinho's comment but he has also been linked with Wolverhampton and that is quite interesting because there were strong rumors of him going to Wolverhampton last season or even the season before that so uh, when they were in the championship so there might be something to it
0: well wow what, what a signing he'd be for Wolves but um yeah certainly all the talk in in the UK and until the last few days has been more Liverpool and United but I mean Wolves were definitely linked about a week ago but we'll definitely have to keep our eyes <laughs> peeled for that one because it's certainly an interesting transfer saga that's uh that's turning out to be and the next question is about another player that is at Benfica. And this is Alejandro Grimaldo. I hope I'm pronouncing that to, to some decent extent. I hope I'm not butchering his name. But Brazilian fullback um at Benfica, who's, who's been linked with a few clubs. Napoli, for example, have been linked with him and a few other Spanish clubs. And I think Manchester United again, obviously, uh, another Portuguese team. Shock, as you said, you can probably put, put your house on every single Portuguese league player being linked to United at some point due to due to the Mourinho links. But but what do you think about him and and do you think this could be the summer where he moves on?
1: The Portuguese press said in um in January that uh, Alejandro Grimaldo was going to join Napoli and I still believe that is the case. Um they wanted him for some while and um I just think it's Perhaps a matter of time before they announce it. Because uh, he's a great book, uh, he could. The film they do a good job at the, um, in the Premier League for the top clubs. He has been linked uh, quite a lot with Manchester City, especially after Pep Guardiola took charge of the club, because there is this uh, La Masia connection between them. But uh, the Portuguese Portuguese press seems convinced he is uh, all but set for joining Napoli.
0: Mm, that's that would be a great signing for Napoli, of course, and especially the way they played under Sari. Uh, you look at Mario Rui, uh, who's, who's actually on on loan there, I believe, and obviously um, uh, Fazi Gulam had some very bad knee issues, but he's always been linked away. So, so getting a player like that in could be a very, very good signing. Uh, how, what, what's his? Buyout clause at the moment, Jan. Um,
1: I think it's 40 million, but uh, the Portuguese press seems convinced uh, Benfica will sell at 20. So there are several clubs, uh, a bit like the Ricardo Pereira to Leicester deal, that might have missed out on a steal.
0: Wow, that is uh, that is extraordinarily cheap extraordinarily cheap okay well whoever lands him and it looks like or sounds like Napoli are the, the, the favorites that they're going to get themselves a bargain and the last question and this one again is for me and I can't believe no one asked about this guy and I said obviously it would be strange for us not to talk about this guy Bruno Fernandes properly and how good is he he's been the best player in the Portuguese La Liga I don't know if you agree with that and how much would he cost if a big European team came calling
1: uh, Bruno Fernandes, what a lovely player. Um, I'm so glad sporting both him uh, last summer. Uh, he's had quite a weird uh, career path going through several clubs in the Serie A before moving back to Portugal. Uh, but yeah, as you said, um, he has perhaps been the best player in the Portuguese League this season, in his debut, se- debut season. Uh, he has really stood out. Uh, he's been sporting's most consistent performer. He scored a huge amount of goals, uh, and it really doesn't doesn't... Depend on where he's playing. He's like, he's great in the central midfield position. He can play in the more advanced position. He can play as a second striker, just bus Bastos. He can even play on the wing, and he, every time he delivers. And um, if he plays as good as he has done with Sporting uh, this campaign at the World Cup. He will be a certain starter, and he will be sold um, at the end of the uh, by the end of the transfer window because uh, uh, performing at this level, it's um, it's almost unheard of. Like uh, I almost can't remember anyone performing like his like he has done uh, this season. So uh, very a very interesting player. He has got some incredible qualities and uh yeah i'm really looking forward and hoping he can perform at the world cup as well
0: yeah i'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing him at the world cup I, i haven't actually i must admit i haven't seen much of him at sporting a few times in the europa league but my word does he have an eye for goal and some of the goals he scored this season are absolutely phenomenal and you're right i've i've seen and heard a lot of people say that he is by far and away the best player in, in the league at the moment and um he's been linked to, you know, Liverpool, Tottenham, every single club. But who who do you make favourites to get Bruno Fernandes and where do you think he'd fit in best?
1: Well the favourite to sign him is whoever splashed out sixty million euros. <laughs> <laughs> uh but um I could uh, with his vers- uh, versatility I-, I could see him play almost anywhere um, he has the quality he's like a footballing maestro you just can't get tired of looking at her. him dictating the play either from his central or more advanced position it's just it's just been this amazing journey a journey to watch him play this season so uh, based on that and it's only based on this season um I can see him like fit in everywhere. Uh play him as a box to box, it can work out. Play him as a advanced playmaker, it can work out, play him wherever you like, it will work out.
0: <laughs> so yeah, if you're listening to any Premier League clubs, if you're looking for a player who can play in any position <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh in, in the kind of attacking areas in, in central midfield, then Bruno Fernandes is your man. And I did say kind of earlier in the show that so many Premier League clubs are looking for central midfielders this summer. I mean, we talk about Jean Serret, uh Fred, Fabinho, Sergei Milinkovic, Savic. All these players linked away from their clubs. And uh, all the big Premier League clubs seem to be looking for a central midfielder. It, he won't come cheap, but if someone's going to gamble on Bruno Fernandes, and, and maybe that gamble will pay off.
1: Well, €60 million, euros, it's a lot of money. Uh, so unless he might... <laughs> actually managed to terminate his deal with sporting as we spoke about before Um, I don't know if anyone will actually take the chance because paying 60 million euros for a player in the Portuguese league that uh, that's not something any club would do or can do so uh, and it would um Explode the transfer record in the Portuguese league as well, I think. We have Hulk at 50 or yeah, maybe it was 60. But apart from that, uh, 60 million euros for a player who has played one season in the Portuguese league. And although he has been outstanding, um, it might be a far stretch to uh, think or believe that anyone would really, really splash that kind of money on him. But I think it might be worth it.
0: Yeah, on the other hand, you did say that you haven't seen anyone at this level playing in the Portuguese league. So maybe he should command a record-breaking uh, fee, right? It would make sense. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, although João Mario was almost at his level before Mourinho oh, yeah, yeah. and we all know how that turned out. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean he he even had a, a great euros as well and as you said we all know how that turned out he's now on loan at west ham and maybe looking to go there permanent unfortunately But <laughs> sorry if you're a west ham fan but um yeah jan it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on man why don't you tell listeners where they can find out more about you
1: that will be on twitter at porto yeah so uh, yeah thank you for having me it's been uh, quite fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we've definitely had a great chat. I've I've loved your sense of humor as well. You you seem to be uh going on quite like a, a rant and then you kinda just crack a joke in the middle of it, which I which I quite liked. It certainly kept my ears pricked. Thanks everyone for listening. If you did enjoy that, please do subscribe if you haven't already and if you did really enjoy this episode, why not leave a review? I really like reading them. And if you have any, you know, feedback in general, do send me a DM. Tell me if you like these shows where I get these guys to talk about various leagues or if you want ones about specific clubs or if you want a certain angle covered, do DM me and tell me that's what you guys want to hear. And yeah, if you want to hone your training skills then That's probably where you want to head over to the YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, do subscribe there. Go through a few of their videos. Uh, It might help you out. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, hope you enjoy your commute.